WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Some are trying to invent a battle for the Steelers' number two quarterback job because Josh Dobbs looked pretty good at Philadelphia last night. But there is no battle. Landry Jones is the number two quarterback, period. That's written in stone barring significant injury. The Steelers value experience in the backup quarterback, and they also value system. This is Jones's fourth year in the system. He knows the system. Jones has played in 18 regular season games and started five. So to start the season, Jones is the backup, period, and Dobbs is definitely going to get cut. That's just how it is. It's all preordained. The citizens like to imagine that it's important who the number two quarterback is. But if Ben gets hurt, the Steelers are screwed, period, whether it's Jones that plays or Rudolph or Dobbs. Without Ben, the Steelers are a six-win team. And yeah, I remember what happened in Ben's rookie season, 2004, when Tommy Maddox got hurt and Ben started and the Steelers went 15-1. But none of the Steelers' backups have even the remote potential to do that or be Ben, and that's now and that's ever. Ben was a first-round pick with pedigree. Rudolph is a third-round choice with very limited pedigree, and Jones and Dobbs are just fourth-round strap hangers. So it doesn't matter who the number two quarterback is, but it will be Jones. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. We got a couple uh, topics to talk about. Uh, one I just went over. Not really much to talk about, though. Jones is the number two quarterback, and ain't nothing going to change that. And as number two quarterbacks in the National Football League currently go, he's not a bad one. We've also been talking about this crazy decision by Clint Hurdle to push the pirate rotation back a day, give everybody an extra day of rest, and they called up Clayton Holmes from AAA to start tonight at San Francisco. That makes zero sense to me. If anybody can come up with some small smidgen of logic to, to assuage me that that's not the dumbest move that Hurdle's made in a year where, boy, he's made plenty of dumb moves, hasn't he? But tell me the upside of calling his Holmes up when nobody's hurt, everybody's on their proper rest, they have momentum, they've won three in a row, they're just four games out the wild card, tell me why starting Clay Holmes makes any sense whatsoever. The reason that Hurdle gave is nonsensical. He said, you know, guys pitched in Denver with the high altitude, and that affects them, yada, yada, but the guy who was supposed to start tonight is Trevor Williams. And he didn't pitch at Denver. So it didn't get much chance to affect him, if any. And if you're worried that just exposure to the air in Denver would affect Trevor Williams, then you should have sent him to San Francisco, not had him go to Denver, 
to not pitch, to just sit there. Send him to San Francisco, and the Pirates catch up with him there. Makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is starting Clayton Holmes tonight in San Francisco. And if it works and they win, it's still a bad decision. Maybe they'll get away with it, but no matter what the result, it is a bad decision. Uh, I think the Pirates are good enough to win the division. Uh, Not win the division, God, what am I saying? To to get the second wild card, I, I don't think they will. And I think one of the reasons is that Hurdle's not a good enough manager. Maybe he was. Maybe he's mellowed. Maybe he never was that good and he just got lucky a couple, three years. But I think Hurdle has pulled some really boneheaded moves this year. And while we're on the subject, what about Adam Frazier getting called up in late July? Had a good year last year, bad start this year. Since being recalled, he is hitting almost 500. Imagine if those at-bats had gone to him instead of Sean Rodriguez. When Rodriguez wasn't on the DL and when he was starting one-third of the Pirates' games. Listen to these stats for Frazier. Since he got called up on July 25th, 19 for 41. And in the 14 games he's played since, he has six multiple-hit games. And Sean Rodriguez, all season, was playing ahead of that guy. The mascot against the up-and-coming young talent, and the mascot played. And now he's on the DL with a bad case of suck, but I know you don't need to cry over spilt milk, but it's going to be such a fine line. I've said the Pirates won't get that wild card. I bet they only miss it by a couple games. And then when that happens, you'll wonder which were those couple games. Which, specifically? 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, I saw the first episode of Better Call Saul on Monday. The thing about uh, Breaking Bad, and now the prequel, Better Call Saul, is the early episodes every season kind of set the table. Establish new characters, reestablish old characters. So not a lot necessarily went on in the first episode, except Howard, who's a dink, the lawyer, kind of took the fall for Chuck's death. And uh, Jimmy knows that that's not true, but he let the guy, you know, slip the noose on his neck anyway. Said, well, Howard, I guess that's just your cross to bear. So it was good TV. It's going to get better. It's the best show on TV. It really is the best show on TV. 412-333-9930. Oh, speaking of which, drug cartels are producing meth pills for people who are too scared to shoot up or smoke. Well, it's about time some progress got made in that particular branch of the illegal pharmaceutical injury. 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, how you doing? Good. Mace is always a component of any nice day. Thank you for making my day. Yeah, what you said. The X at 105.9. T- to show how cowardly people on social media are and to show you what a cowardly medium Twitter and Facebook and so forth really are,
I wrote that column about Juju Smith-Schuster declaring him as a uh, clown act. That got published Wednesday in the Trib. And people on you know Twitter attacking me with all kind of uh, very insulting verbiage, but nobody calls the show to debate it because then I might talk back. And that's typical. Typical soft millennials, typical soft young people, typical participation trophy era. Nothing at all surprising to me. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is a pair of clown shoes. I think he's incredibly talented. I think he was pretty good last year. Made the all-rookie team. Didn't win rookie of the year. Never got real consideration for that. Disappeared in the playoff loss to Jacksonville. But, you know, he did pretty good. But I don't like the histrionics. I don't like being lit. I don't like the bojangling. I don't think he's a professional. And I think the Steelers have underachieved during the Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown era because they don't have the mindset. They don't have that professionalism. And if that's not why they haven't won, then tell me why they haven't won. Because it's certainly not been because they aren't good enough, because they are. And certainly should have been Jacksonville last year. Oh, it was the defense. It wasn't Juju's fault. What about your boy Ben throwing those interceptions? Yeah, that'll hurt. But it's mindset. It's professionalism. And it catches up with the Steelers time and again. And Smith-Schuster isn't the cause, but he's certainly a symptom. Your thoughts, if you have the balls to express any, which you don't because most of you have been neutered at birth. But if you think you can get up the guts to use your little finger for something other than that you use your little finger for as often as possible, because that's all you need is your little finger, call now, 412-333-WXDX. Pittsburgh really has become a soft, undemanding sports town. It really has been. It's become a participation trophy town. The steel industry collapsed, and now we have participation trophies made out of the cheapest plastic. Now, 412-333-9939. Jason Wirth uh, just quit baseball. Former world champion with the Phillies. Kind of an up-and-down player, kind of a jerk. And he talked about the super nerds that are ruining baseball in his eyes. The analytics geeks. I don't totally agree with what Worth said. But I don't totally disagree either. For example, the shift is legit. But people don't pay to see the shift. Nor do they pay to see a slap single the other way or a bunt single. Nor do they pay to see a home run or a strikeout or a walk every at-bat. People pay to see baseball like they like it. And maybe these changes aren't good in that regard. And the stat stuff is nuts, the saturation thereof. RBIs don't mean anything, we're told. But your batting average with Rispy, runners in scoring position, your batting average with Rispy is just the decimalization of RBIs. RBI is the quantification of batting average with Rispy. And wins for pitchers don't mean anything, we're told. But the object 
is to win. And if if wins don't mean anything, how did Jack Morris get in the Hall of Fame with his 3.9 ERA? Jason Worth doesn't like the super nerds, the analytics geeks, and I'll say this for his attack on them. They contradict each other at every turn. We can't keep getting told that wins don't mean anything and vote Jack Morris in Hall of Fame. I got lectured on Twitter because they talked about David Fries having 15 RBIs in the month of, of July. And I got told, RBIs don't mean anything. Okay, what about the game they won 5-4? We had five RBIs. Did they mean anything then? Uh, the notion of wins and runs batted in, the old school stats, they're too basic for the super nerds who look to take a fast track to knowledge that doesn't involve watching games or having a feel for the sport. So I stand with Jason Worth, even though he's kind of a dink. Let's go to Lee in South Fayette. Lee, you're on with these super genius. Yeah, you know, I was just calling about the professionalism thing. Uh, you know, these guys are world-class athletes, like you said, who work year-round uh, to be able to produce like what Juju did last night on the field. And what, because they they celebrate a little more, or maybe they take a selfie in the locker room and that that's that's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about uh, him running the wrong routes at practice. Okay, well, I mean, I'm talking about him so. being in his second year in the league and being absolutely devoid of humility. The kid is 21 years old. I mean, it's oh, okay. amazing. Yeah, it really he, is. I knew Sidney Crosby when he was 21, and he was twice as focused, twice as professional. I knew Sidney Crosby when he was 18, and he was twice as focused and twice as professional as Juju Smith-Schuster is at 21. Let's not act like Juju Smith-Schuster's done all that much. He well, made, yeah, he made, he made shut up, shut up, shut up. You had your chance to talk. Now let a superior intellect and somebody the people turned on the radio to hear speak. Thank you very much. Juju Smith-Schuster had a pretty good rookie season. People acted like he had some miraculous season. It was okay. He made all rookie. Didn't, didn't win rookie of the year. Didn't make the Pro Bowl. Didn't do anything outstanding. He did okay. But we've blown it up into more than that because we like to watch him bojangle. No, because he was, he's 20 years old last year. Actually, and it's, it's, pretty, okay. it's pretty amazing what he could do. No, no, actually, it's not all that amazing. There are plenty of 21-year-old athletes in various sports that are more accomplished than Juju Smith-Schuster is it there. Not, it is. not in football. Not in the NFL. And well, that's because like, very few athletes even get to the league when they're 21. He came to the league early. I right, can. I, I, I understand that, but to compare him to Crosby and 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 all that, and like you know, you know Crosby. Well, that's nice, but that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Oh, actually, and, it does. It, 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 no, no, you you just said you just said to me, name a 20 year old as accomplished as Juju Smith Schuster. And I named an 18-year-old, Sidney Crosby. You asked, I answered, so it is relevant. Okay, I guess. I, I guess you, you win again, Mark. But I, I always I do. It all comes back to the Mike Tomlin era. That, that This town will never accept him because he's not Bill Cowher. And we know the reason. Oh, wait, it's why. because he's black. 
Yeah, everything exactly comes right. back right because I'm not allowed to criticize a black player no, because he's black because I must be racist if I do that. So I should accept everything a black man does, no matter how much he leaves on the table. And Juju will believe me; he'll leave a lot on the table, just like this team's left a lot on the table. It had nothing right. to do with black or white, and everything to do with mindset, professionalism, and focus. Right, and you're you're exact. Your exact quote was the professionalism, and I when I hear that, I think of, what do I think of? I think of them not being professional. Why? Why are they not being professional? You tell me. We, 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 I'm assuming it's because they celebrate and they act differently than, than other players who, who maybe, like a, a McCaffrey, who doesn't do anything, and he just does what he's told. Like, I, I, don't right. see, I don't point. see the focus of the Patriots, do you? The focus of the Patriots is Bill Belichick putting his thumb on everything. So? So? Why do I care about that? Why do I give a flying fornication if Juju Smith-Schuster has fun? More to the point, why do you care? Because him putting the thumb on everything, including the video camera, and the cheating over the years. Oh, okay, so we're going to change the subject. See that? No, no, that's what you did. You changed the subject. You did whataboutism. You yeah, practiced what about is the Patriots? The Patriots take. We're talking about focus, discipline, and professionalism. Okay, you can talk about thumb on the camera, whatever gibberish you spewed, but the Patriots win because they have the mindset. Yeah, the Patriots win because they got lucky in two thousand three. Yeah, yeah, they're the biggest salary cap dynasty ever, oh, well, but they got lucky. Belichick doing Cleveland? Tell me that again. Irrelevant, bro. Seriously. You're a low well, intellect, bro. You're a low was, intellect slob who called up and has been battered at every turn by a super anyone. genius. You're a low intellect slob. I'm tired of talking to you. Your wife's ugly. Your kids are stupid. Your family will never amount to anything. And if you see me in public, come up to me and I'll wrap you right on the beak. Goodbye. You could tell talking to that guy. His wife's just this ugly pig. I could tell. I have a sixth sense. Let's go to Matt and West Mifflin. Matt, you're on with Double M. Mark. Yes. Why are you so miserable, dude? I'm not miserable at all. I'm the happiest guy in radio. Oh, but you like you always instigate. Like you pick somebody out. No, no, I'm not. I'm not instigating. Juju Smith-Schuster is a pair of clown shoes. He's been in the league one year. He can't pass up a camera, can't pass up a commercial, can't pass up social media. He's not as good as you think, hasn't done as much as you pretend. Where am I wrong? Tell me where I'm wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that's what you do. You instigate. No, no. What I you do is excellent radio. What I, now, like, I know in this do? town radio is bland, it's vanilla, it has no personality, and maybe I seem like I'm what's your word, instigating by comparison. I'm not. I'm just doing good radio, and I'm not taking everything at face value. I'm not yelling out, ah, he just wants to have fun. Let him have fun. Why can't a kid have fun? I don't give an F about Juju Smith-Schuster's fun. You know what I want? I want wins. I want Super Bowls. That's what every Steeler fan should want. You act like you know Juju Smith-Schuster. He wouldn't urinate on you if you were on fire. I'm not acting like that. Most of Pittsburgh is. They don't know him. They don't know me, for that matter. Goodbye. Up next, a man who will speak without a forked tongue. Why well, don't he just ate a cheesesteak from Pat's in Philadelphia? Maybe his tongue is kind of forked at this point. 
It's Mike Pursuta from DVE up next on 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, hey. Hey, what's going on, Mark? Hi. Super genius. It's a good buddy. Ask shit from SMBW. Woo! The X at 105.9. Joining me now, fresh back from Philadelphia, where the Steelers beat the Eagles last night in the first preseason game of their campaign from DVE. It's Mike Pursuta. Uh, Triv, you were in Philly and you tweeted about Pat's steaks. What makes Pat's the best Philly cheesesteak? A couple things, and it's just my opinion. I'm sure everybody has their favorite, but uh, I like the tradition. It's been there since 1930. I like the attitude. It's kind of like the soup Nazi of uh, cheesesteak joints, you better have it together when you, when you get in that line. And, uh, I like the whiz, and I like that, uh, you can find, uh, any cast of character you're looking for hanging around outside of Pat's. Well, let me say something that might be blasphemy. My favorite Philly cheesesteak, and I like Pat's as well, Chickie and Pete's. It's a chain, but I just love it. They offer so many variations on it. I, that, that's my favorite. No, you're right. That is blasphemy. Okay, we'll move on then. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, looking at the way the game went last night for Pittsburgh, there's no battle at quarterback, is there, for number two? I figure Jones is two, Rudolph's three, and there ain't much Josh Dobbs can do to rearrange all that, although he played pretty good last night. Yeah, I think that's, that's the way it is, and that's the way it's going to be. Uh, the only thing I could think of that would possibly alter that would be if they would get some kind of ridiculous offer for Landry Jones, but that's not going to happen. I think they're fine with him as the backup for one more year, and I, I think Rudolph has shown you two things. Uh, he's got some real nice down-the-road potential, and he's not there yet. So best thing uh, for everybody involved, I think, is for Rudolph to have kind of an apprentice year or a redshirt year, and then hopefully next year he's ready to be the backup when uh, Landry Jones moves on. And one thing that's worth noting is they do like Landry Jones, don't they? Or, or at the very least, Triv, they like his grasp of the system, don't they? Yeah, I, this is probably going to sound like I'm damning him with fake praise, but he's steady. And if you have a backup that's steady and you know what to expect from, uh, that's more than half the battle. Is he Ben Roethlisberger? No. Is he ever going to be? No. But you can put him in there. The offense can function. Uh, if, if something uh, should happen to Roethlisberger and they have the rest of their weapons, Available, they ought to still be able to get by for for the short term. Now, uh, watching the game last night, I thought uh, Tyler Matakavich kind of struggled. I thought John Bostic looked uh, a, a little bit better. Uh, how would you evaluate the play of each last night, Triv, and how is that battle shaping up? I, I think uh, let's cut to the chase on that one. Uh, I think the battle has shaped up. I think it's possible. Flood warning. For the following county, Washington, Pennsylvania, and the following counties, in West Virginia, Brook and Hancock. The National Weather Service in Pittsburgh has issued a flash flood warning for northern Jefferson County in East Central Ohio, northwestern Washington County in southwestern Pennsylvania, northeastern Brook County in northern West Virginia, southern Hancock County in northern West Virginia, until 7.30 p.m. At 4.36 p.m., radar indicated heavy rain in the warned area. Flash flooding, expected. Estimated rainfall, up to 1.50 inches. Additional rainfall, up to 1 inch. Some locations that may experience flooding include Whitton, Steubenville, Washington, Canonsburg, Avella, Toronto, Wintersville, Mingo Junction, Fallensby, 
Wolfdale, McGovern, Hooverson Heights. This includes the following highways, Interstate 70 in Pennsylvania between mile markers 12 and 18. Interstate 79 in Pennsylvania between mile markers 38 and 46. Please report flooding by calling 412-262-1988, posting to the National Weather Service Pittsburgh Facebook page, or using Twitter at NWS Pittsburgh. Yeah, and what you saw last night, at least what I saw, Mark, uh, you know, I don't think any one of those uh, or either one of those interceptions was uh, a work of art. But, you know, if the receiver turns one way and the quarterback throws it the other and the ball comes right to you, catch it. If you can at least catch the ones they throw right at you, there's going to be a few of those over the course of the season. And uh, once you start doing that, maybe uh, it starts to become habit-forming. It's uh, that old theory about, uh, well, uh, he dropped it. That's why he's playing defense, not offense. They expect those guys to catch the ball when they have an opportunity to. And uh, you saw a couple guys do that last night. That was encouraging. I'd, I'd agree with you. Uh, what's the state of Cam Sutton? We heard he's going to play this position, that position, the other position. He got the pick off last night. Where is he going to figure in? Uh, you know, I think most prominently probably be in that uh, seven defensive backs package they've uh, messed around with a little bit. They call it the dollar, and uh, it's it's not new to the NFL, but it's new for them. Uh, basically, Sutton and Morgan Burnett uh, play the linebacker-type positions in that, and uh, if he can handle that, if he can handle backup nickel, play a lot of special teams, uh, that would be uh, certainly an opportunity for him to do more than he did last year. The big if you don't think they're very good at inside linebacker, the seven DBs is an alternative to that. The question is, can they use the seven DBs, uh, or will people just run on it all the time and, and, and make it impossible for them to go there? But uh, when you see that uh, package, and we haven't seen it much because uh, either Sean Davis or Joe Hayden or Morgan Burnett has missed practice time, but uh, we just saw a glimpse of it uh, a couple days ago. Uh, you look around, there's some pretty good players on the field, including uh, Mike Hilton, the nickel, uh, Terrell Edmonds, the number one pick this year, and Cam Sutton. Couple that with the, the four guys who are going to start, and you think, ah, maybe they have a chance to not be terrible in the secondary. Well, let's stay with Terrell Edmonds. How did he look last night, and how's he looked in camp so far? I think he looks good. Uh, I, I think people have a hard time accepting him because he, he he's designated as a safety, not as an inside linebacker. But uh, he, he is really put together, comes from a football family. I think we saw with T.J. Watt last year when, you know, when your dad has played in the NFL and or you have uh, brothers in the NFL, it, it moves you down a little further along, a little quicker through the process. Uh, I think he's going to contribute, and I think he's going to make them better than they were. Now, is he going to you know, fix it all by himself? No, he is not. But... Uh, he's going to play all the special teams, and uh, he's going to be out there in the uh, sub-package stuff, and, you know, we'll see where he takes it from there. But uh, they, everybody loves his attitude and his approach, and I think the physical skills are pretty obvious. We're talking to Mike Pursuta of the DVE Morning Show here on 105.9 The X. Uh, let, let's stay with that secondary for one more note, Triv. Uh, you really like chicken peach better than pets. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know what part of it is, too? I'm a lazy bastard, and Chickie and Pete's is much more accessible. There's a bunch of them. Good point there. 
Like, here, here's what's ridiculous. You know what my favorite chicken and Pete's cheesesteak is? Their buffalo chicken cheesesteak, which, of course, is not a cheesesteak at all. No, it's not. You're not going to get that at Pat's. I know. So I go to Chickie and Pete's. Now, returning to football, one more secondary note. Morgan Burnett missed a lot of camp, and he looked pretty good last night, didn't he? He did, but that's uh, that's not the greatest of starts, him, him missing as much time as he has. I know he's a veteran and he's been around, but he's on a new team. Uh, he's trying to get a little uh, cohesion going with Sean Davis, who's playing a new position. Uh, more practice for him would be better than not. Uh, it's funny, I was just uh, waiting for you guys to call watching uh, Hard Knocks. And uh, I don't know if you've thought much of that yet, the first episode of the circus that is the Cleveland Browns. And I, I saw the Jarvis Landry soliloquy. Yeah, the, the assistant coaches at one juncture are arguing with the head coach, Hugh Jackson. Why aren't guys practicing? And, you know, he's like, calm down. They, um, they need their rest. They need, you know, they'll we're going to do it this way and everybody else wants to do it the other way. Practice is, is important. Uh, there's a few guys who can get away without it, but only a few more. Um, I, I want to cite an example of how training camp would just be futile for some players. Like we discussed earlier, it probably is for Joshua Dobbs. Damon Patterson looked great at receiver last night. Six catches, 77 yards, a touchdown, and the best he can hope for, right, is the practice squad. Well, maybe not. Uh, that position is not locked in, I don't think. Uh, you've got uh, Antonio Brown who's going to make it. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to make it. James Washington's going to make it. It's curious to me that he keeps uh, running as far down on the depth chart as he does here in the early going. But uh, Eli Rogers is on the pup list. They don't know when he's going to be available. Uh, Darius Haver-Bay probably makes the team because of his special teams prowess, but uh, there might be one or two spots open, and Patterson's a guy. Uh, he has opened some eyes out of St. Vincent. Uh, he, he's, he's had some real good days. He had one terrible day, which, if you're a rookie coming from Youngstown State, that might uh, that might be enough. But uh, he certainly seized the moment last night, and Mike Tomlin's made it pretty clear that what happens in those games matters a great deal to him uh, in terms of setting the roster up. Now, I, I wrote a uh, semi-controversial column on Juju Smith-Schuster, how I think he needs a lesson in professionalism, too much dancing, and, and and not enough getting the routes mastered in practice, which we read about last week. Where do you weigh in on his, his progress, Triven? Don't you agree he's a bit symptomatic of an overall, I don't want to say lack of mindset, but uh, I don't know, I just feel like they could be more focused, and he's an example of that. You know, you probably you feel that way. I probably feel that way. A lot of us probably feel that way, but a lot of people do not. And uh, specifically, today's player does not. Uh, it's funny, Mike Tomlin was asked, I don't know if you caught the uh, Damon Patterson backflip after his touchdown last night. I did and see it, yeah. There's somebody asked Mike Tomlin about it after the game, if you've never seen that before. And, uh, almost exasperated, Tomlin said, with this team and these celebrations, he asked me if I haven't seen something before. And he just kind of moved on. Uh, yeah, I think Juju's full of himself. Uh, I think he is uh, a, a little too much too soon uh, in terms of the way he comports himself. But it's a pretty good play made last night. He had a pretty good year last year. And uh, I, I think the Steelers uh, have established that, uh, particularly with the cases of Brown and Bell, if you're going to be an all pro, you, you pretty much uh, call your own tune. So. 
I, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, there's been a lot of talk since last season about distraction and lack of focus and discipline and all that. Kevin Colbert made it pretty clear early in training camp, uh, his phrase, they have no concerns whatsoever about the way they roll, so to speak. And, uh, you know, they're not going to all of a sudden uh, rewrite the do's and don'ts. Uh, they're just going to try to play a little better. Well, I'm about 99% sure Kevin Colbert was lying through his teeth. And uh, I think he's like you and me. I think a lot of football people that are over the age of whatever think like you and me. They would prefer it was done differently. And, and I just can't help but think that when the Bell and Brown era has come and gone here in Pittsburgh and they didn't win a Super Bowl in that era, that we'll look back at you know lack of focus, lack of mindset, and wonder how much that cost them. Yeah, I guess you know. I guess we'll never know. I mean, I don't, I don't think it cost them last year. I, I'm this much. I'm certain of. The bigger problem was Sean Spence started a game at linebacker in the playoffs, and he was on his couch in December. Um, it, it, it's interesting. You look at the star power that the Steelers have, and I'm not trying to blame the whole thing on Sean Spence. Uh, you know, he he is a symptom. But when you have as much star power as the Steelers have, and you have to commit as much money to pay those stars as the Steelers are. You know, sometimes you get a little thin at the bottom end of the roster. You look at the team the Steelers played last night, the Eagles. Last year they had two guys make all pro, Mark, their center and their right tackle. They lost their quarterback to injury. They lost their left tackle to injury. They lost their kicker to injury. They lost their best linebacker to injury. They lost their best return guy, Darren Sproles, to injury. They had more than enough injuries that, that should have scuttled the ship. And they just kept going because their roster is so balanced. Nobody had a thousand yards rushing. Nobody had a thousand yards receiving. Nobody had ten sacks. But everybody the Eagles put on the field can play. They're that deep. They're not great. They're not sizzle flashy. A uh, couple of exceptions. Carson Wentz was second team All Pro. Probably would have been All Pro if he hadn't gotten hurt. Um, they have a, a balanced, talented team, and I don't. I'm wondering if they sort of rewrote the playbook on how you set an NFL roster up because. There's going to be injuries. I mean, it, it, it happens to everybody. And, uh, you know, to, to get to January and say, ah, oh, well, we would have won if we had this guy. I don't think anybody wants to hear that because if you didn't see that coming, you weren't looking hard enough. Yeah, but I'm thinking about stuff like, you know, the coach overlooking Jacksonville, Mike Mitchell outside the locker room. N- not that that tangibly affects things, but but you do wonder. Triv, I've, I've already gone way over, and i I got a cheesesteak waiting for me on the counter here, so. Well, uh, God forbid I, I keep you from that, Mark. Oh, okay. A fat joke? I get enough of those on Twitter, Trib. But Thanks for the time. But, but as, as always, thank you so much for joining me, and we'll see you soon. That's Mike Pursuta. He's the best. You can hear him on the DVE Morning Show. I'm Mark Madden. Bob McGawker next, 105.9. Up to two inches. Some locations that may experience flooding include Mount Lebanon, Bethel Park, McMurray, Gastonville, Baldwin, Upper St. Clair, Scott Township, Whitehall, South Park Township, Cecil Bishop, Castle Schengen, Bridgeville. This includes Interstate 79 in Pennsylvania between mile markers 47 and 56. Turn around, don't drown. Most flood fatalities occur in vehicles. Please report flooding by calling 412-262-1988, posting to the National Weather Service Pittsburgh Facebook page, or using Twitter at NWS Pittsburgh. can advance his career in and to get him up here. I don't care when this plan was hatched. 
there are different alternatives. There's different considerations now. There's different consequences you, you, right you now. You see, I think that's what Hurdle does that hurts the team. I agree with you. I think he comes up with plans way in advance and doesn't change the plan if circumstance dictates he should. He just sticks with whatever he had planned out in advance. I think most of the Pirate fans would agree with you 100% on that one. Um, it's a great talking point for a certain situation. Not for the situation that the Pirates are in right now where they are walking a tightrope as to whether they're going to make a wild card position or not. You need every game right now. As you talked about in the 3 o'clock hour, Mark, you're going to look back and you're going to say, okay, we missed it by two games. Where are those two games? Well, if this turns out to be one of them, um, you know, that's... But that's going to hurt a lot because you're rolling right now. You're back on the winning side. You got three games in a row. You look good. The bats are alive. And all of a sudden, this is the most important decision you have to make. I don't get it. Well, don't you agree that Hurdle has done a subpar job this year and been a liability in some cases, like the insistence on playing Sean Rodriguez, the insistence again replanned on Sunday lineups, making sure everybody gets a game now and again? I think it's a fine line for this team in a playoff berth. And like I said earlier, Bob, I think when they miss the playoffs by a couple games, I think people are going to try to look at a couple games where managing could have made a difference. Yeah, and you make a good point with the Sunday lineups. I'm sure that there are some people out there who know the numbers a lot better than I do and know their lineups, and they can point to two or three Sunday games right now where people were in that lineup that should have never been in that lineup. Where, you know, S. Rod got into the lineup for some reason when somebody else came out and he was always the first choice. I'm not going to put it all on him, but he's a huge part of the problem right now. And the DF, I mean, not the DFA, but the uh, injury list, the disabled list, uh, that's Christmas in August. You know, that was, I, I know you like the guy, but come on. <laughs> uh, real quick, Bob, uh, people talking about Josh Dobbs. He played well last night, but do you agree with me? And with Mike Pursuta, and with Craig Wolfley, and with my blog at SchultzFord.com, that quarterback for the Steelers is set in stone no matter what happens in the preseason, barring injury, of course. Ben 1, Jones 2, Rudolph 3, and see you later, Dobbs, or, or maybe practice squad if he wants to go that route. Yeah, I'm on board with that, and that's that's a shame because, boy, I stood up last night when he completed that pass. That ball came out of his hands. That delivery was quick. I didn't know he had that pass in him. That was a precision strike on Dobbs' touchdown last night. So, unfortunate that you're not going to see that too much again in the Steelers' future because there's just no place for him on this roster with the three that they have in front of them. That's Bob McLaughlin brought you by 84 Lumber. Uh, in 30 seconds... This is a commentary on how we've taken sports, pursued equality, and turned them absurd. That's 30 seconds away on 105.9.